0: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
1: You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlist. Take it away, boys.
2: Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode forty-five for November six, two
3: thousand eight. Uh, Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vanderlist and of course right at the top of the whole entire show here, let's get this right out of the way because this way when you hear something you know exactly where you can write and complain to. Preferably you'll start it out with attention mark and then <laughs> yes. we'll go from there. But if you have a comment, a question, a uh, suggestion, something you've heard from on today's show, you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message at 623-242-2450. So, with that out of the way. Oh man. Hey, so what's going on, Mark? We got something special planned for today? Well, or,
2: we uh, do. Uh we're live today, which is pretty special. Uh we've got a
3: chat room that's jam-packed with well over 3 people and uh Well, that's the biggest audience we have ever had. Wait, that's me, you, and Nicole? Or... <laughs> yes,
2: it's, exactly. And uh it's it's a raging party. Uh everyone should <laughs> see it. Um, all right, so with with our little live audience here, we'll probably interact a little bit here and there as as much as we can, but I'm already finding it distracting, so I'm covering up the chat room with another window.
3: There you go. That's what exactly what I have to do. If I had mine open right now, I would be so lost that I wouldn't even forget what my name is, although that doesn't take much for it to happen. So Yeah, yeah. So, hey, how was Halloween? That went well, I assume? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. We definitely had a chance to walk around. It's funny because the older my kids get... The more they want to walk, which in the situation for my, my wife and I, the older we get, the less we want to walk. Of course. So, you know, they're, they're running around trying to get as much candy as possible. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. One block, that's it. We're going to head home right <laughs> after that. <laughs> no moss, we'll no moss. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, our, no, uh, that, not too bad. Well, How about cool. you?
2: Good, good. Um, ours was pretty boring. I think we spent most of it at Costco. Oh
3: nice. Yeah. I, I hear they have the candy selection there.
2: They do, they do. And uh you know what it was fine because I've got a giant bag. In fact, I'll uh, I'll hold it up here. I have got a giant bag of Swedish fish and sour patch kids all to myself.
3: Oh nice. Nice. Thanks. And, Thanks for
2: <laughs> And that's probably going to last me about a year and a half at the way that, the way that I eat candy, so Gotcha. It's in, in our
3: household, that would be about um, two days. Nice. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, other than that, um, I'm finishing up the holiday projects for the show. I just finished the magazine rack today, and Ooh. I have the uh, the little clock that I'm making. And I actually have got it right here, so anybody who's in the uh, chat room can kind of take a gander at it. There it is right there. It's uh, basically like a floating uh, design where the, the actual clock in the middle is in a small little square frame that floats and it's held in with uh, little pegs into the outside frame and uh, some keys, some mitered keys on the outside and it's um, kind of nifty but I'll, I'll be putting the design in the full episode uh, probably within a week or so for the clock and the magazine, I've basically got to do the editing and that one goes up as soon as I can get it up there.
3: Nice, absolutely. Uh, sweet how about you any holiday projects on the on the menu well you know i had mentioned a couple things i was thinking about last time that we were on and one i did kind of almost finish is something i didn't even mention to be honest with you it's like one of those um uh like molding shelves you know like the ones that you kind of take like a uh like a crown molding or something like that and you you make like a shadow uh shelf i don't know what you would really call it but you kind of put it up on the wall Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of decorative well i I did make one of those because I was playing around with uh, um, with some crown molding. So we're thinking about putting some in place. So rather than putting it on the ceiling, I'm like, hey, I'll make some shelves out of it. <laughs> what the hell do do that instead? Sure, yeah. But I, I've been kind of busy playing with some other things and a, a few things that kind of came up for the show and everything that I really haven't had a chance to kind of break into building the trays that I was thinking about, some serving trays and, and some other stuff. Right. So... You know that, that the holiday gift stuff is eh, they're gonna get they're gonna get gift certificates. I think is what's probably gonna end up <laughs> happening. There. Visa gifts, yeah, Visa gift
2: cards for everybody, right?
3: Yeah, I was thinking uh, like uh, hugs from Mac cards, and <laughs> <laughs> I'll promise I'll come over and wash your car someday, card. But <laughs> nice, that would be perfect. Right. Well, one of the things I have been doing though, which I swear is really kind of woodworking related, is I was I saw an article and was I do believe at uh, this old house website. And they were talking about using an all-organic, absolutely safe for the kids. I mean, if they accidentally ate this or drank this stuff, it wouldn't kill them. But it removes rust. And it's just plain old molasses. Really? And you mix it with water. Yeah, and I've been trying it. And just before we came on today, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot because I've been letting it sit for about three days. And every single day I'd come down and I'd, I'd you know, see what progress has been made on it. And to my surprise, it's actually working. Now, it doesn't work as fast as some of the other ones that we've talked about. They're a little bit more caustic and kind of burn the nose hairs a little bit. But it actually is working. I'm really kind of shocked at it. Now, is it a certain
2: brand that has molasses in it or are you literally using a bottle of molasses?
3: Literally using a bottle of molasses. My wife was at the store and I'm like, dude, do me a favor. Pick me up a bottle of molasses. And she's like... Why? And I'm like, well I want to try it to remove some rust. So she was curious and I said yeah, just bring it home. And they said it's like one part of the molasses to nine parts water, and you you can't really stir it because molasses is so thick. Yeah. You just kind of set it in there, you, you do the best you can. And I'm just using like one of those like plastic containers and I've got a an old hand plane blade that is just I, I didn't even try to clean this one up. It was so nasty. Right. Dropped it in. And I would say within 24 hours, it already started to remove some of the rust. And I was, I was really blown away by it. Wow. So, again, yeah, the only thing is the molasses part, eh, it's, they say it's really sweet, but, man, it kind of stinks a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going
2: to ask you, have, I mean, have you been tempted to just lick it off?
3: I, you know, I almost thought about that. I'm like, let's see how really safe this is. But then I'm thinking about all that rust that's floating in <laughs> yeah, there. And the I'm dissolved like, rust <laughs> inside might be a little bit of a problem. Right. Who knows? Maybe it'll have a different nutrient effect on it or something. But (laughs) but they were saying that really the molasses, this whole mixture, kind of acts as like a... And you're going to have to help me out in here because this is probably why I didn't do so great in chemistry. Uh. It's a chelating action is what it ends up doing. Okay. So it kind of gets underneath the rust and it kind of lifts it up. And so you still need to come in with like a Brillo pad or like they're recommending like a soft metal bristle brush. And you can just, you know, scrape it off and you still got to put a little elbow grease into it, but nowhere near what you would have to do with other you know, supposed you know, safety products or True. have to deal with really nasty smells. So it's kind of a neat one. I'm going to let it sit around for a few more days and let it do most of the work for me. And we'll definitely, I'm going to try to take some pictures of another project that I'm going to do with it just to see how much it works out. But yeah, I was, I was pretty excited. I'm like, that's, that's not so bad. No, that, I'm trying to get- that is really interesting.
2: I mean, and especially the stuff that removes rust is typically really, really caustic, just nasty
3: stuff that you don't even want to go near, let alone lick when you're done right exactly and this is i'm i'm thinking i could probably just strain it off and put it right back in the jar and I'll just put it right over where my <laughs> wife makes cookies so we'll still be all good, set for, still good still <laughs> good yeah for the holidays i'll be like we're having a special holiday cookie treat
2: <laughs> well you know hey speaking of um of sort of like greener methods of doing things i actually did get a chance to finally spray some of that uh vermont um, not maple syrup um It's that finish I can't remember it's Vermont something or other but it's all natural it's uh, the binder used in it is actually whey protein instead of just you know some really nasty toxic binder I believe we talked about this at one point
3: on the show. If, uh, it sounds familiar. I probably was not paying attention while you were talking, but yeah, it, it, it does sound familiar. We were talking about kind of safety products or something. So Yeah, exactly,
2: and it was uh, pretty impressive stuff. I, I sprayed uh, two different projects with it, and one of them was even walnut, and I know a lot of the, the time we have uh, problems with water-based finishes on darker woods because they tend to have that uh, bluish cast and haze to them, and I was really impressed, and people will see in the... the uh, the magazine rack video, they'll see it. Actually, it turned out really, really nice. So I think I might have to order some more. Um, The cool thing about this stuff is, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I believe if you're looking at the VOC, the Volatile uh, Organic Compounds, in the mix, that's really what uh, most manufacturers are paying attention to in terms of trying to be green. Uh, I believe the most stringent regulation in the U.S. now is like 250 grams per liter. And they're at 180. Oh wow! Yeah, and I think the uh, general finishes uh, material that I had on hand, the polyacrylic, was at about two eighty, two seventy five, or something like that. So um, I was really impressed with the stuff. It sprayed well, dries hard. Um, you know, it's worth a shot. But I, the problem is, it's probably going to be really expensive compared to other things. So. Uh, of course, take it with a grain of salt, but at least give it a shot if you have a chance. Uh, I'll put the link in so I actually get the right name for the stuff. I know the word Vermont is in there,
3: right? People are gonna be like running right now, going, "Look, see, maple, Vermont, what uh, nut? No, that's not right." Uh, right, so, totally. I mean, so, so, as as a more all natural, I mean, because this, well, most things can be used definitely as, as as a food, you know, sealer or something. Because as long as you give it long enough to set up and harden before you actually use it. But I mean, that sounds like one that would be even more along that lines If it's if it's that you know not so dangerous.
2: Yeah, I, I can't say for sure. I mean, most of the stuff that's uh, contributing to that aspect of it is is part of the you know the stuff that's uh, dissolving it, the solvent itself. And once that evaporates, it's usually inert for the most part. Um, but you know, just like anything else, you got to uh, be cautious with it, no matter what. Um, so, hey, these two look like they are yours here. Um, do you want to take us around the web for a little spin?
3: Sure, no problem. Actually, the uh, w- the first one I want to talk about is is the, it looks like the, the com. Now, this one, I, I can't remember who talked about this first. It might have been Rick Waters from the uh, Splintered Boardcast Podcast or not, but I remember seeing this on Twitter, and this is kind of a neat thing because it's more or less like one of those i don't know I guess you could really call it like an auction or something, but every single day they put up a brand new tool that it's got this amazing low price and you know if you want to pick it up, you just i think you just click on buy yeah, i 'll buy <laughs> and then it's automatically yours and it's uh, like a i i think the the tool special goes up just for the one day you'll have from the beginning to when when it starts to when it ends, and uh you know you can take advantage of that great price so it's definitely something to check out that's tooladay.com, dot com and today I think there's a uh a Milwaukee's uh router, I think, is up on, on the on the auction block for it. So
2: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's a factory reconditioned one and three quarter horsepower body grip router. It's seventy dollars sale price. I want it is what it says there.
3: Oh, you do? Oh well cool. Well, I don't, go ahead. You just, I, don't oh, wa- you don't. I
2: don't want it, but someone may want it and that there's a button that says I want it. So what is that? The deal will vanish in four hours, forty minutes, and there's a little uh little ticker clock on there. That's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, and it, yeah, every single day it changes. So I think you can even sign up for a newsletter we'll tell you, you know, as soon as you wake up in the morning, I guess check your emails, and suddenly you're like, oh, well, that's a tool I have to have. Or the next day, eh, maybe not so much. I'll pass on that one and we'll let that one go. So definitely check that out, tooladay.com. And of course, we'll have that in the show notes. And then the other one that I was looking at is. I think we've talked about this website before. It's toolcrib.com. I think Mm -hmm. people have popped by there once in a while and I've been following their blog and they've had a lot of really neat things come up on there that, um, the one that kind of caught me today is for the, a lot of smaller shop woodworkers space is always at a premium. I mean, we're constantly looking for ways to make all our space our, you know, uh, last as much as we can or get as much out of it as possible. And so they had a little thing today that was more or less, no, maybe it was up there the other day, but all about all these little small space-saving type things to help you out, like put your stuff up in the rafters, uh, put together these little, you know, nifty things here. So if you check it out, they usually have a lot of neat little tips up there. Like not too long ago, there was one I still have marked that's for like 15 free, um, was it like rolling cart projects that you can build, right you know, and again, small shop you know nice nice to have everything up on wheels so you can roll it out of the way but you don't always want to go out and buy them well here's a bo- whole bunch of free project plans for you to uh take advantage of so it's it's definitely kind of a neat one to check out and that's the uh toolcrib.com slash blog and again we'll, we'll have uh it in the show notes cool that is awesome all right well we do have a little bit of news here i guess some of this stuff is
2: uh Kind of newsy, I guess um, I, don't know. I just don 't know <laughs> where else to put it, Matt uh, We have a another giveaway coming up, and i I think this one will let span the the entire month of November. So if you go to woodtalkonline.com, there is a little form there to fill out uh, like usual and you can enter to win. And if you've entered in the past, uh, this is not like we used to do it. You are not entered into this contest, a reset every single time we start a new one, which means you have right. to get your uh, lazy butt over there and uh, sign up and you will be entered. Now you don't really have to do anything. You just fill out the form and press send. Um, the give Gidl- Yeah, it is. Anybody can do it. E- even you can do it, Matt.
3: Well, you're kind of pushing the limits there, but thank you. <laughs> but
2: but you're not eligible. So um, oh, we thanks. are going to give away a variety of things. I think Matt and I need to compare notes and see what we have. But most, if not all, of this stuff is going to be sponsored by Lee Valley. So we are those, what were those little screw dealies for the um, the little
3: cap that, that, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's the uh, hand plane screwdrivers and, and they really look just kind of like a, like a doorknob with a little screwdriver embedded inside of it. Right. And it's because they fit in your hand, and everybody knows that those little caps on your, whenever you take the blade assembly off your, your hand plane, you know, they've got that big wide slot, and sometimes I mess mine up all the time, and these little hand plane screwdrivers are made specifically for those. So, they're really nifty.
2: Yeah, I've used one a few times. that actually is very, very cool. Uh, I've got a few Lee Valley calendars that we can give out. Just a, a bunch of other very cool, small but fun stuff. Uh, we'll be yep. able to give away to multiple people, not uh, yep. ev- not one uh, person winning. It's going to be uh, one per, one prize per person. So uh, enter
3: now. Right, absolutely. You know, and we still have a we still have a couple of things uh, sitting over here with a. We have a side rabbit plane, and I do believe we have a small router plane to give away too so oh, you know what well then let's uh let's let's spread it out a little
2: bit let what should we do let's ask the uh the chat room which one of those we should give away with with this uh
3: november giveaway so we have a side I actually didn't give it away i was gonna hold on to the side rabbit plane and people can watch me use it <laughs> that's your prize <laughs> that's your prize i will send you a video of me using it and then loving every minute of it <laughs> Oh, we already have somebody that said
2: the router plane, so we'll put the uh the router plane up for the giveaway this month in addition to okay. the other uh stuff that I that I mentioned. What's Sounds that? good. I know I turned it off. It, the video was uh was uh, screwing up and giving me a little bit of lag. I I'll put it back on. But if I start hearing lag, I got to turn it off
3: again. A darn lag. They always cause problems.
2: We're doing all this on on one connection here, so.
3: Okay. Uh, moving on. Okay, let's see here. Oh, it looks like you have another one up there. Uh, what's that? The in the news, the uh, Rockler now offering a Dewalt track saw. What's that all about?
2: Oh yes, I, I got the uh, the Rockler circular here. I was just leafing through before before the show, and I noticed on the inside of the uh, the front cover is the Dewalt track saw uh, is listed as a new product, and retail price is four ninety nine and that's the one that just comes with the uh, 59-inch track, and then you have the cordless model, which is going to run you
3: $899. The cordless, holy cats. You know what? I don't mind a cord, if that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) I can deal with the cord. Um,
2: Yeah, now, interesting, the only reason I really brought it up, everybody knew this was coming out uh, since IWF, at the very least, uh, is that th- when you compare it uh, apples to apples, the DeWalt tracksaw 499 versus the Festool TS55 coming in at $475. So 25 bucks less for the Festool. Now, I'm just curious. If you uh, were walking down the street and uh, found $500 and mm-hmm. you had to choose, which which kit, which setup would you buy uh, if if you really, really needed or wanted one of those, just your natural instinct based on what you know about both companies, uh, which one would you get?
3: I, I would have to actually go with the Festool and I, I think it's because I really like the, the green and black color.
2: Okay. Well, that's a good reason. Uh, we don't have to go don't, any further.
3: <laughs> no, I, 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 I think I like the festival because that one has definitely been around a little bit longer. And to me, it's almost like that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they got the bugs worked out of the system. And I, I just happen to think that the uh, that setup with the vacuum and everything is pretty darn cool. I mean, I can't get over that. That, that thing just works pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah,
2: it does. But th- I just, I don't know. I think that's an interesting strategy to come in $25 more expensive than the established uh, standard. Um, it's not like they're, you know, blowing away the in, fistel in, in, in terms of their accuracy or what you're getting when you buy the saw. I mean, uh, at least on the surface, they're pretty, you know, I would say roughly equivalent in terms of what you're going to get uh, in, out of it, you know. So it's just a little bit surprising at the price point. Well, it's not right. surprising because we knew this again from IWF, but we didn't know what they were going to hit the market at exactly, and this kind of tells us,
3: right? We know one thing. I'm wondering is with that that since they're so close in price, I'm almost wondering if they're playing on the familiarity in in the market, like here in the states or something like that, because I think a lot of people, I'll mention Festool to a, a lot of people who are just you know more or less carpenters or you know the the, the weekend warrior who just likes to kind of work in the house, not build furniture or anything like that, and they're like. Festival, what is that? And, you know, and then you'll mention DeWalt. They're like, "Oh, I know DeWalt." Right. So I almost wonder if they're kind of playing on their, you know, the familiarity of their name, and you're not going to have anything really to lose on that when it comes down to it. Well, look at it this way. Uh, here's an
2: interesting uh, marketing, I guess, uh, conundrum: is it, a festival has always had two issues. First of all, they had to tell you who they were, you know, which right. is their first barrier. And once you know who they are. Then you have to tell them what the tool does and why it's better than the other ones. Why should you pay more? So they had two things working against them. Well now DeWalt with a much bigger market presence comes out and says look at this great track saw. Look what it can do and, and you kind of see okay wow look at what this tool can do. Well then someone goes and does a little bit of research and finds out that this other you know uh, manufacturer Festool makes one that's $25 cheaper. They've been around for a really long time uh, you know, but they, they've already sort of done half of the work for Festool in that sense by introducing the product to the masses. And then once they do a little homework, they find out that there's actually competition out there, and the competitor has been doing it a, a lot longer than the newcomer, which is kind of interesting if you think about it that <laughs> yeah. way.
3: Right. So. Yeah. No, I, I could see that. Yeah, definitely. But huh, who
2: knows? Either way, the bottom line is, I always love it when when there's a competitor. Uh, on the market because it always makes things better. It makes the uh, the product better, makes the prices go down, and everybody benefits as a result. Well, maybe I shouldn't be so absolute about it. Most of the time, I would think everybody is going to benefit from it.
3: Right then, there's the conspiracy theory that the two of them are actually colluding behind everybody's back and, like, all right, we're going to set it at this, and you're <laughs> going to do that, and you take this area of the country.
2: <laughs> Could you imagine if that hits? That hits the news. DeWalt and Festool join forces. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, they have like a little insider tra- trading going on, and it turns out that one guy is actually employed between the two of them. Yeah, so.
2: <laughs> that would be that would be funny. All right, um,
3: do we have anything more? There's one item here, but was that from last week? Did I leave that in
2: there accidentally? Uh,
3: no, I actually I, the, the the Rockler Dream Shop giveaway with Delta and Porter Cable. I I just saw this tonight, and it made me kind of laugh because it reminds me a lot of we talked last time about popular woodworking has their dream shop giveaway going on right now also right and and so uh very very similar but again it's a, another company so maybe now this is uh double your chances of getting your dream shop so definitely head over there and check it out. i think you can enter every single day right up until the drawing and then they have apparently a monthly giveaway also so we'll that's awesome a link to that. yeah giveaways out the wahoo Right. Now, if the only I could somehow finagle it so they're only given away to me and maybe one or two of my close friends. <laughs> <laughs> good, good luck with
2: that one. Um, okay, let's cruise into some hot deals here. we got a couple of them for you. Uh, we've got, uh, well, I put this in here uh, late today, the seven-piece Forstner bit set from Rockler. Uh, of course, we'll provide the link for that, and I believe it's 50% off. Let me um, see what the price is. I think it's like 12 bucks. Just one oh, moment.
3: Wow, seven-piece. 7 forstner bits.
2: Yep, 1149 7-piece set. You know, obviously this is going to be, you know, it's not going to be the one that's going to last you forever, but 12 bucks for 7-piece forstner bit set. I know there are two types of drilling that I do with forstners. There's one that that tends to be just kind of like the junk stuff Uh, Mm -hmm. you know it's more of a utilitarian sort of thing and then there's the times when I really just need a perfectly drilled out flat bottom hole in a really good quality wood and I don't want to mess you know mess around I need the cleanest cup possible and that's when I use my really nice ones. so a seven piece set like this 50% off is is really good and definitely would would fit the need for for most people
3: absolutely no I agree right with you I have a a whole junk drawer full of old forstner bits and drill bits that I probably should just throw them away but you never know when I might need a paperweight or right. something.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, next we have, and I think you put this one in, but I'm going to tell people about it anyways, though. And that's uh, over at Woodcraft. They have a 170 piece looks like a Brad point drill bit set. Or actually, it's your choice of Brad or twist bits. Apparently, is is which one you can get, and it is 29.99 each, and that is through November 30th. Wow, that's a that's not 170 drill bits. Oh yeah, I did put that. In. I'm drawing a blank here. Going, what
2: are you talking? Okay, yeah, I did. Yeah, that's just one of those massive, massive sets that just I don't know. I, I when it comes to to drill bits and um, router bits, I do like to get one big set of relatively inexpensive bits that satisfies all the obscure numbers, needs, shapes, profiles, everything I could possibly need. Uh, and then the ones that I use the most, most frequently, those are the ones that I buy a really nice set of. Uh, so this is just one of those things that just make sure you have every possible size uh,
3: you could you could ever imagine needing. Absolutely. And on top of it, according to the uh, the picture and the details, it comes in its own sturdy metal case. And who doesn't need something like that in the shop because – I won't even tell you where I store most of my bits. So that's...
2: <laughs> well, you know, usually when I have a nice, sturdy metal case for bits, the bits, for some reason, just never wind up going back. So despite having a perfectly uh, logical place to store them, they wind up where they shouldn't be. I don't know why.
3: Yeah, I, I do that all the time, too. I have them scattered all over the place. Nothing is worse than when I'm sucking up sawdust and I go, what was that metal thing I just heard? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> All right. Okay, so at, uh, at ToolKing.com,
2: They have 10% off all new DeWalt tools and accessories. Uh, Receive a coupon for $10 off of a purchase of $50 uh, at Toolking just for signing up for their email newsletter. So two separate things, uh, but go to Toolking.com and you cannot miss it. There's a giant 10% off uh, DeWalt tools and accessories button there that you can click on and uh, take advantage of that because that looks pretty darn sweet.
3: Yeah, I wonder if you could get that Dewalt track saw there. Ooh, that'd be well, it
2: is a new tool. I'm looking on their page, and you know what? I don't see it here. Uh, I see I routers. I, like- I see, I see a biscuit joiner, a small table saw. Nope, I do not see it. But that doesn't mean it's not there. So just take a look and see if you could find it. But I, I think if they were going to do that, it would be
3: like front and center. Yeah, either that or it's like one of those you have to ask, and they then you can't get an answer, and then you have to keep asking, and they get really irritated, and finally they're like, yeah, okay, it's fine, it's on sale, right? So, <laughs> all right, uh, one more thing we have here, of course, uh, this is at uh, Woodcraft also, and we're all familiar with the Bessie K body clamps, and of course, they seem to always have a, a sale going on with the, uh, the the Bessie K body clamps, and they're saying they're claiming they have the best price online. For a four Bessie K body 24-inch clamps with a Wood River parallel clamp block set, only $100 for the four, for the 24-inch clamps. And then for four 40-inch clamps, uh it is uh $125. And, and then if you go through it, go kind of page down, you'll find a, a whole bunch of other great prices on other clamps too, Uh K body clamps too. So, uh they seem to be the place to go for body clamps now if you want to get something like that.
2: Well, they're they're still moving the old ones, right? These these are not the new design?
3: Uh, no, yeah, this still looks like the old ones. So, yeah, they must have a huge warehouse full of these and they're just trying to get them out the door. Just
2: moving them out. Well, the, you know what? I mean, realistically, how much better are the new ones as far as just clamping is concerned? I mean, creature comforts, sure. You know, that's why I like the... Uh, that's why I like the jet a little bit better than the um than than the bessie but now the new design of the bessie is pretty darn good, but really it's just clamping it's not gonna make that much of a difference so uh, if you exactly can, especially as pricey as they are right I mean so if you can get a bunch of them on sale go for it
3: right absolutely see what they really should sell is the extra hand that you need because inevitably somehow they always fall out of my hands and then My clamping job is completely ruined. (laughs) (laughs) Now,
2: um, moving on into the uh, topics, we don't really have any good specific topics today just because we're doing the whole live thing and we're going to have some live questions, but I did want to talk a little bit about uh, freeform sculpting, and the reason is because I just today got my December 2008 popular woodworking uh, issue, and Mm -hmm. my article in there happens to be about freeform carving, and uh, nice, yeah. So, if you look on the, their website, there's going to well, there probably already is a uh, video posted that accompanies the article, and it's kind of cool. The article I, I only have two pages to work with, so it's not like I could you know write a whole book on it, but I, I get a pretty good introduction to the tools that I use, um, to make you know really big curves and, and things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do with any other types of tools. Um some of the the main tools I guess I can quickly talk about them is have have you ever used one of those Arbortech blades in a grinder?
3: Uh no, no I haven't. I've I've watched people use it I'm it, it really I'm fascinated with it because they they look like they just clear out so much material. It's it's so,
2: almost it's almost scary how powerful that thing is. I mean, it it can really really hog away some material. So, um like a seat bottom or a, you know a chair for where your uh, your butt cheeks go is is it's no, like a perfect tool for that. Um I also use after you do that because that's like that's really rough, you know, so after that you you have to have something to smooth it out, but you don't want to necessarily go to like you know just a random orbit sander with eighty grit paper you're going to be there all day so right. <laughs> what I do is I outfit a seven inch polisher um with a sanding pad, and that pad is kind of flexible, so you could sort of feather and smooth everything out, and you're removing a lot of material. Uh, but certainly you're not going to create the divots and things that you would with this uh with the Arbortech blade, which is basically like a 3 tooth saw blade for the most part. Okay. So uh so once you do that rough sanding, then of course you can move on to your random orbit sander and uh and, and the video that I made goes into a little bit more detail in terms of how you actually do that, where you draw your lines and how you work up to it. And I gotta say, it's a lot easier than than you might think. I was really surprised uh when I learned how to do this stuff from uh from David Marks, how simple it was, and I and I caught on pretty quick. So I think a lot of people will too. It's just you've you've got to you know, kind of throw caution to the wind and stop worrying about uh, lines and and perfectly straight and square reference points because that's not what it's all about. It's all about curves and then sort of um, you know just meeting your lines that you've drawn on with a template. So, uh, right. but I encourage everyone to give it a shot. If you have any questions, of course, just email me and I'll sort of talk you through the process.
3: Right now, you use this with a excuse my ignorance here it happens quite a bit but <laughs> you use this with a, a regular grinder though right the, uh-huh. the arbor tech okay and then because that, that's one thing i've kind of watched this and i've always been really kind of this is one of the things i I thought about trying i mean i want to try so many different things but it's like one of those i'll admit I'm, I'm a little intimidated because you're right you're clearing out a ton of material and i could just see me being the guy that just kind of stands there and like much like what happened when we redid our floors in our old house, I was the guy with the big giant belt sander that just stood in the one spot and then tried to figure out why it keeps diving into the floor. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, all right, uh,
2: that, that's not not a good thing, Matt. Right.
3: Okay. I, I could see myself doing that with this. I mean, does this thing really? You can really have a, a decent stance on this thing, don't you? you have to like a really good grab and hold, and so it's not pulling you along. Or
2: yeah, you know, the thing is, it there, it's almost effortless. I mean, you can get it to grab. But it's so powerful that it just keeps clearing the wood. you know so even if you jam it down into a board, um, I mean it, it will grab at some point. You don't want to push your luck. What I actually do is I tend to to run the blade so it's almost uh, parallel with the surface. Uh, if, if you run it in that vertical position, that's when you're probably going to uh, to really you know, just tempt fate, I think, but if you run it more horizontally, or at least you know on a 10, 15, 20 degree angle. Uh, you tend to get a little bit better results that way. You don't you don't dig quite as much. So, um, but nice. it's you know it requires a certain amount of respect and caution. But it's it's well worth learning because um, there's just some things you can't do with the bandsaw and with other power tools that you can do if you just kind of unlock that uh that that little restriction there of, of straight lines and and straight edges and all that stuff. So,
3: right, yeah, definitely, yeah, because I can see myself just kind of like <laughs> we joke around about the uh. Uh, not so much the draw knives, but like the spokeshaves, just like, damn it, this is going to take forever. to get this chair. How am I going to do this? I'm going to be here forever. And what are the family complaints? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I
2: have a, a tip here. We're going to jump into a Tom's tip. And with the live thing, normally I, I play – never mind. I'm not going to go into details on that. Let me just try and play it and right. see what the heck happens here. Hello, everyone. It's Tom Iovino from Tom's Workbench. And it's time for another one of Tom's tips. Who doesn't love a bargain? And when it comes time to buy your glue, you can get it cheaper per ounce if you buy a gallon at a time instead of buy all those little bottles. Not sure you can use an entire gallon by yourself? If you have friends or relatives who are also woodworkers, you can split the order. Just use old drinking water bottles or old condiment squirt bottles to hold your booty. Not only do you get the bulk price, you can also cut your shipping and handling costs in half not bad way to save money if you want to discover more clever useful or even somewhat coherent tips check out my blog at tomsworkbench.com or visit any of the other great blogs that belong to the wood whisperer network at twwnetwork.com you know i gotta say i'm not quite comfortable with tom talking about my booty
3: i always think of the same thing i'm like you know nobody talks about my booty except maybe my wife and even then I don't like it when she does.
2: <laughs> Even then, you're not quite comfortable with it. <laughs> right. Especially in public. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a great tip. Uh, I, I tend to buy it by the gallon, and then I don't share it with people, so I just throw half of it away, which is really dumb. Kind of like when we, buy, right. uh, when we buy salad from Sam's Club. Um, <laughs> we buy a giant bag, we eat it for two nights, and then it goes bad. But you know what? Yeah. Hey, at least we saved
3: that's right. I mean, that's like when we buy our mayo, which probably comes from the you know, Sam's Club also, and then it's like usually that big like you know five gallons. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. You um, can take this uh, jar out there and
2: fill it up. <laughs> right. Okay, uh, we have a couple questions, and Nicole's been diligently working and typing away furiously over there to uh, collect a few questions for us.
3: Wait, give that woman a Lee Valley calendar.
2: You get, you get a Lee Valley calendar, young lady. Yeah. Make sure you're talking to the mic. Okay. And uh, welcome... Nicole to the show. Thanks for stopping by our house. Sure. And <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> she one, was just in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were in the neighborhood. No, no problem. Uh, what is uh? What is the first question? So
1: the first question is from DJ e. Foggin. and he wants
2: to. So, so the question is: What should he take in account when buying a vehicle? Ooh. What would you take into account if you're buying a bandsaw mat?
3: Other than the price, let's see. Um, the first thing I'm thinking about is what what is my plans with the bandsaw? Am I going to use it for resawing? Am I going to use it primarily for maybe like kind of like scroll work? Not necessarily tight scroll work, but maybe just some you know just some basic curves or something like that. That's that's the very first thing I think about before I go to buy any tool, but especially a bandsaw. I want to figure out what is the 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 minimum size that I really really think that I I'm gonna need because if I am gonna use it just for kind of smaller projects just a little bit of a scroll work or something like that I might find that a benchtop bandsaw while kind of laughable looks like it, it might actually work best for me but if I'm gonna go for just some basic resawing of some narrower material uh, maybe up to six inches or so. Uh, then, like a 14-inch uh, floor model, might be the better option. And then, if I'm really planning on doing like a lot of cutting my own veneer or really wide boards, that's when I'm going to start looking for a much larger bandsaw. So that's that's really the first thing I'm thinking is what's my the first thing that I'm going to be doing? with like What's the primary thing that it's going to be functional for?
2: Right. That's actually that. That's perfect because you're. If you know what you're doing, that tells you what you need to buy. So if you are planning on doing a lot of veneer resawing and cutting your own veneer, well, you probably want something that's a good horse, horse and a half, uh, as far as power goes, you know. And if you're uh, resawing really tall boards, you know, then of course you're going to need to make sure you get one that is either already nice and you know high, or one that you can add a, a little riser block to to give you a little bit more. Uh, working room but I think you know for most shops a 14 inch bandsaw covers most of your needs now ideally if you can have a larger saw and a smaller saw so you can kind of uh, you know do use one for resawing that's much more powerful and uh, has much more of a throat depth to it and um, then dedicate the other one for more, like you were talking about, with scrolling type work with lots of tight curves. You could put a skinnier little blade on that. Um, but if you can't go that route, just one saw, a 14-inch can be pretty versatile depending on what blade you put on. So you're going to want a couple different blades for those different tasks. But I would say at least go for that horse to a horse and a half. And, um, you know, I actually just saw in the chat room there's um, Tree Frog recently got the uh, the Rycon 14-inch. And there are a lot of good reviews, and there's a lot of good, uh, uh, basically, opinions coming out about that particular saw. So that's certainly one that I'd recommend checking out. It's pretty hot right now.
3: con. All right, I'm going to write that down because that's my my old 14-inch. It's old, and it's only a third of a horsepower. So as soon as my blade starts to dull, forget about it. <laughs> there's not <laughs> a lot I can do with it. <laughs> right. Um, do we have another question there, young lady? Yes,
2: you do.
1: Um, this one's from "It's Great to Be a Bee," and he's working on a project he got from FreePlans.com, and it basically calls for eleven-inch-wide shelves, uh, but his stock is only ten and three-quarter wide, oh. and he wants to know should he cut the wide stock or just make the shelves more narrow.
2: Okay, um, so his boards are short. And he wants to. He's going to have to cut them. I'm confused. So he's basically going to have a lot of uh, a lot of waste because he's going to have to cut yeah. the board down and then glue up another board to it to get the total width. Did you hear the question, Matt?
3: Yeah, About I got that. Yeah, inch. he picked up a plan on free plans. I right.
2: would. You know, here's the thing, and and a lot of people think that you know it's it's generally believed that it's more stable if you you know resaw the boards down and glue them up from. Uh, boards with uh, you know maybe three or four inches in width, uh, up to six inches in width, and that stabilizes it because you know each board can kind of do its own thing, but they balance each other out. And I think mm-hmm. there is a degree of truth to that, but I also think there is a certain degree of beauty to a wide board. And if his boards are already ten, you know, ten and three quarters uh, inches wide or whatever it was, God, it would be a shame to cut that down. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I mean, I guess the question is, are they going to be visible? Are you going to see them all the time? Uh, or is it something that's hidden and really stability is your only issue? Um, my gut tells me just shrink them down a little bit. Go with the the full width board because ten and three quarters of a of an inch of full solid wood is pretty cool.
3: Yeah, oh, definitely. I I agree. I that that is one of the things that I absolutely hate. Cause he, We've talked before about, like, uh, with, with the jointer. If you have a smaller jointer, you know, you might have to rip the board so that you can fit them on the jointer or something. And I hate that idea yeah. because of that very reason. Because sometimes you get the most amazing figure and it just it looks so much nicer if you can keep it all together. So, yeah, I'm 100% on there. I, I think if you can, you know, find a way to do it to, to keep it as just the one, just, yeah, shrink everything else down to fit. And it's a quarter of an inch. It's not going to be that noticeable.
2: Yeah, and and the thing is, if um, if he says that they're going to be very visible. So, uh you, you know, you can kind of get an idea when you look at a board that's, you know, been sitting around for a while, you can kind of get an idea of whether this is going to be a problem board or not. Uh especially mm-hmm. at that width. So if if the board is, you know, pretty stable right now and it's pretty flat, pretty straight, not real, you know, crooked and nasty, you know, you can probably make a pretty solid prediction that it's going to stay that way over the course of time. So I um I would say if it looks decent now, uh, clean it up, get it ready for the shelf and and just shrink the design down a little bit uh to to compensate
3: right yeah and and shrinking it down isn't very difficult at all. really, if you think about it, you just get that that base measurement and you can really with with that that shelf, it seems like you can base the rest of the other components off of that, and it's very easy to just you know here here's an idea is the if it's the uh the width if the overall width with the show the shelf and the sides. Are going to be the 11 inches, and you need to shrink it down a quarter of an inch. Well, then shrink the sides down. You you can kind of play with the numbers. It's not too difficult. And if you have any problems, ask Mark. I mean, you can ask us. So that's no problem whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Okay, we got another one? Oh, we got a few more. Let's hit it. Okay. All right. So, uh,
2: Jermaine wants to. Ah, not Jermaine. Thoughts and ideas about golden proportions. Thoughts and ideas? Uh, Uh, Very golden. We've, uh, I think we've talked about this at least a couple times on the show before. Um, you know, I think it's it's a good guideline, it's a good starting point, but I wouldn't let I wouldn't let it limit your imagination, because there's a lot of really cool designs that completely break those rules. Um, I like, I don't know, it's it's very interesting that that a lot of things work into that ratio, um, but I'm gonna go out on a, a limb here and I'm gonna call it the golden coincidence coincidence yeah because there's so many things in nature that do not follow that pattern it's, it's like when you buy a, a brand new car and all of a sudden when you're driving around it just seems like there's so many more of those cars on the road you know are they really there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. or is it just because you bought it and now you're aware of it um, so anyway uh, but there is some logic to it because I agree certain things that follow that ratio do look better Uh, than in cases when they do not follow that ratio. So definitely use it as a starting point. Use it as a guideline. But I wouldn't let it limit your imagination. And don't not do something because you just, you know, I can't get that exact number, so I'm not going to do it. And I probably wouldn't stress out about a quarter inch here, a quarter inch there. You know, just get close. You know, as long as it's not drastically out of proportion, you're probably not even going to notice it.
3: Right. What what say you, Matt? I, I'm I'm 100% with you on that one. I, I agree that it's, it's a nice starting point. You know, everybody needs, it needs a good starting point. You need a really decent reference. And use it just for that. Use it as your basic reference to build everything else off of. So if you decide that, you know, well, the golden ratio on this cabinet just, it looks good, but it's not going to work for what I need. There's no reason why you can't tweak it. Just, again, build off of it. And you, you'll find exactly what you're looking for. And that whole thing with, with with nature, you know, it's humans tend to find patterns, and I think the the supposed golden ratio. This is another one of those we just found a way to find a pattern to justify that we found a pattern or something. I don't know. It's, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily true, but yeah, I like using it though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a good starting
2: point. Um, yep. uh, question, lady, mm-hmm. how we doing? What do we got?
1: Um, so JMK89 had. Uh sent me some links and I sent them to you and he basically wanted to know if you guys have seen the really cool hand planes some regular
2: guys are making in Australia. So I sent you the link. I see the link. I see the picture. They look pretty crazy and no, I actually have not seen them before, so I can't really uh comment too much on them, but they look amazing. Yeah. This doesn't do much on the on the recording though. Um, okay. we can't <laughs> no one can see it. Okay. I can do that. What uh? What else we got?
1: All right. So Brian W. Um, he actually asked me when uh, if Fine Working had released the Entertainment Center yet,
2: and I, think, I know. no. No, uh, I communicated with them recently about it, and it seems like they are aiming for uh, roughly January. Oh. And um, I heard that they. They needed some uh, refinements on the, the measurements and things like that, so it sounds like they're working on it. So I guess we are looking at January-ish.
3: Nice. Now, are they going to take pictures with you in it, or are they going to like throw one of their supermodels in there?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's all video, uh, so unfortunately you'll have to deal with me uh, in, in a full three-dimensional uh, video. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, well that's not so bad.
2: Yeah, which is terrible. Okay, Techie has Oh, God. Techie. <laughs> Jeez. I know my audience way too well. <laughs> um, and he says,
1: I'm gluing a 10, gluing two, 10 two-inch wide strip together to make a wide board with 10 two-inch bo- boards glued together that will be 24 inches long each. What can I do to minimize cupping along the the grain? The end grain,
3: the wood is black walnut, and this is a cutting board. The thickness of the wood, one uh, one inch, four quarter black walnut. Okay. I'll let you go first, Matt. <laughs> okay, so let me get this right. <laughs> he's gluing up 10, two inch wide boards, yeah. 24 inches long.
2: So he's got 12 strips, right?
3: Right. And it's Wait, the, a knife.
2: 10? Ten. Ten. Ten? 10.
3: How does so 10 times two
2: make 24? <laughs>
3: They're no. they're 24 inches long.
2: 24 inches long. Yeah. Oh, I see, oh, I see. I see. I yeah, see. Either way, it's a, a buttload of short strips.
3: <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking as soon as I heard the 10 two inch strip glue ups, so I'm like, oh my god, that just what a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Okay. And then what's the problem with with the at the ends? They're they're afraid no, of puckering at the
2: ends. He he is uh. He wants to know how to avoid cupping of the the board over the whole uh width.
3: Oh wow, that's. That's going to have to be one, calls are are one thing that I'm thinking you would definitely have to use, but you would have to really strategically place those with 10 two-inch boards. That's a lot of, that's a lot of potential for some, some major cupping through there. It is, it is. Yeah, that's a, strategically placed calls is my, my answer. Okay. Next question. (laughs) Moving
2: on. Uh, I, you know, that this is one of those tough things to diagnose sometimes too, because, I would say if I glued up maybe 10 of those, I would mm-hmm. guess on a good day that probably four out of the 10 would cup. Yes, And it's one of those things, each one of those joints, as you apply that pressure, it, it's kind of like, I think we've even talked about this before too, is the, the sort of X factor of gluing up a joint. That even if you've, uh, you've milled it square, uh, the joints are nice and flat and dead on accurate, sometimes the clamping pressure Puts a little bit too much pressure at the top of the joint than it does at the bottom, and then as that glue dries and the moisture leaves the joint line, you can actually get some sort of a um, a reaction to that. So even after mm-hmm. the boards dry and you've had it sitting in clamps, maybe you even put um, two long calls along the entire width and clamped it down. Sometimes they just move. So the best uh, the best thing I could say is just make sure that those joints are perfectly milled uh if you can hit the joints uh, and get them you know with one light final pass even if you use a um a joiner plane to do that to make sure that they're just dead on uh make sure that that angle is perfectly 90 degrees and when you clamp it alternate your clamps uh if especially if you're using like um uh like a uh, k bodies or something like that alternate them so every other one is is up and and the other one is down and this way you'll sort of equalize the pressure on the top of that joint and the bottom of that joint and then, uh, of course, like you mentioned with the calls, but instead of trying to do each individual joint, I would get two uh, pretty wide boards, maybe three or four inches in width, and sandwich them on the top and the bottom of the glue up and yeah. really just clamp the crap out of it just to make sure that uh, it doesn't move. And I would let it sit in the clamps probably for at least 24 hours. Give it a good amount of time for the, the glue to, uh, to cure and some of that moisture to get out of that glue line before you unclamp right. it.
3: And then- yeah. Hope for the best. Right. This is one of those where definitely we could, we could run into some major glue creep if you've got too much glue in there. Because, you know, like, I mean, I, I just go glue, fantastic. Tom's tip today, forget Sharon. I'm using tons of it to the point where it's just dripping all over the place, especially <laughs> what ends up happening. And, unfortunately, that's when it gets really slippery, even though it's starting to tack up a little bit. Another option, which I know a lot of people are like, why would you want to do this? But if you've got 10 2-inch boards, maybe you could break those up into, like, five, two each, and then that way you could really control you know, side by side so then, rather than having to deal with you know, 10 boards all the way straight across, you're only doing with a couple at a time. Now, this is obviously going to really, really stretch out up your, your clamping time, your gluing time, and everything else and stretch out that project. Right. But if you're really concerned about these things going ballistic on you, it's a lot easier to control two boards that are being glued up next to each other than 10 boards total. Totally. So that's that's another one, but I like that idea of like almost like a veneer press of like you're saying you know get everything glued up and then just some sandwich it between a couple of giant boards or something mm-hmm. and apply that kind of pressure.
2: It uh it might not even be a bad idea to do a spline all the way across the joint, and if the spline goes in deep enough, that can sort of help prevent uh, the cupping and bending that you might otherwise experience. So uh, just another option for you. Uh, we have more questions. We have asked, I'm sorry.
1: Would a breadboard edge help as
2: well? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. if you can incorporate that as part of your design, uh, breadboard edge is perfect for keeping things flat. That's um, really the best part of what you know what it does functionally for the table right. or whatever you're know, building.
3: Yeah, and you know, and another thing is, I, I don't know what he's building this for, but if this is one of those things where if this is the top of, let's say, a table or maybe uh, you know some sort of you know who knows, like a, a, we'll assume a table or something. I wonder if you could like even. This is kind of a really stretching out there, but, but like put cleats on the bottom side if it's going to be hidden. You know, like you have kind of like right. the cleats to help pull everything into place. Sure, um, but you know that's yeah definitely breadboard edge. Oh yeah, that would help
2: definitely big time. Anything else? Yeah, we've got one more. Let's do it.
1: Um, let's see. We have a Marshall. He says that he has a joiner, uh, jointer, but not a planer. Um, is there any way to surface the third and fourth sides of a rough stock without a planer? Trying to get two faces parallel, consistent
2: thicknesses of a board is a goal. Well, our ancestors did it for a long time without a planer. Um, right? <laughs> could could I do it? No, probably not that well. You know, uh, that's the only thing I could recommend is if you have a nice flat work surface, uh, like an assembly table, or you know something that you just know is pretty darn flat. And you lay the flattened side down on that surface and then you would just basically build some sort of a router sled uh, jig where the the router would ride at a fixed height above your workpiece. And if your table that you're using as reference is flat, then the sled will also ride on the same plane as that tabletop surface. And you'll be able to just trim off the high spots and leave the low spots. So that would probably be the only power tool method that I can imagine really working all that well. Yeah, but but you have to have the flat reference surface, right? Because otherwise it's no good. If if you're not sure that that surface is flat, the board's going to contort and you're not going to get the perfectly um, uh, coplanar and parallel uh, surface on that second side.
3: Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I can't think of any other method because unfortunately the jointer works so well with maybe one, maybe two edges but not for the opposite edge to be to be playing. It just it you know, I think it's false advertising sometimes, but unfortunately that's the that's just the way it goes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a tough one. And I mean, of course you can try and go at it with some uh with some hand planes, but ooh doggy. That's that's gonna be tricky.
3: Well you was I mean, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So th- this is one of those arguments though. I mean this is a good point for an argument of why if you could only have either a jointer or a thickness planer, why going with a thickness planer might almost be more advantageous than just going with a jointer because mm-hmm. with a thickness planer, you could set up like those little um, like little sleds. You could set up you know, a little something extra in there to help you level it out so that you can get that first pass and then flip it over and get the co-planer. But unfortunately with the joiner, just just doesn't work that way.
2: Yep, absolutely. Totally agree. Uh, I think we have one more question before we head out of here. Um Andy Pugh says that he wants to know the difference between 220
3: volt and 120 volt and which is better for a table saw. Well the difference this is easy. The difference is 110 volts. That was my answer. Darn it. Oh, I beat you to it, Matt. I beat you to it. Wait, hold it. It. I'm i redoing the math. Yeah, it's 110, <laughs> right? Um you know what?
2: I'm not an electrician and uh I I I I only know in the in the sense of what it means to me in my shop. So if you want a electrical definition and what it actually means, uh, I would recommend going to the source for everything and that is Wikipedia. Um, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not really, but still. Um, yeah, I mean basically most of our tools, most household electrical items, uh, at least in the US, are 110. Uh, that's pretty standard. And if you double up the hot leg on that, you wind up with 220. And the... Basic idea is 220 is supposed to be a little bit more efficient uh, than 110 in terms of uh, you know the power rating. The amperage also can be higher with 220. So a lot of times with the bigger tools, uh, let's say you have a big 30 amp tool, you're going to need a 220 line to power that. So big cabinet saws and big band saws and jointers and things like that are going to require that extra power. Um, you'll find that, let's say, like the hybrid saws these days, those are sort of designed to give you the best of both worlds because it kind of looks like a cabinet saw. It's a little bit more powerful, but most of them still run on 110 uh, for standard household uh, electrical power. And you know, definitely, if you're going to do any of this work to get 220 in, in your garage or your basement or whatever, uh, definitely make sure you get a professional in there to do it. And I've I've done a little bit of electrical work myself. And I I've made sure that I basically researched the the heck out of it before I did it, but still there's some things I I don't like that nagging feeling that I may have done something wrong, uh, right? <laughs> and, and someday it might burn my house down. That scares the crap out of me.
3: <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that's afraid of that. Now when yeah. I flip on this switch, oh god, yeah, help me.
2: <laughs> exactly. But for major stuff, any big runs, things like that, we always uh, hire that out. So I don't know right. if that answers the question adequately, but that's my pedestrian answer.
3: Right. Um, you know, and it, it, this is definitely one of those arguments cuz so many people go back and forth I know you have to have 220 in a shop otherwise you're not, you know, your your tools aren't going to run efficiently and everything else and yeah, uh, other than the um, the fact that it is 110 volts more than what I have right now. I I really couldn't give you a straight up answer as to one's better than the other or not. So, sorry. Eh,
2: yeah, for most for most things it's not going to make much difference for most people, you know, right. um, anything else Are we done? I think we're done. I think wow. The well has gone dry
3: that figures just when i was getting warmed up
2: (laughs) all right well i just want to thank everybody in the uh in the chat room for hanging out with us and uh, i think this is really easy for us to do now so i think we should probably make a habit of doing it all the time and i think it'll be a a lot more fun uh matt matt's cool and all but i mean 50 minutes an hour talking to him is it just drains my soul
3: hey wait a minute (laughs) you're talking about me I don't always pay attention to what you're talking about but see that's why I do that well it works the other way too there buddy let me tell you (laughs) I bet it does I I bet it does I sell out of this basement it's not always pretty
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, but no this is this is a blast I have a real good time when we do this so um, maybe we'll try and do it on a on a every show sort of basis but um, if you want to take us out and give them the contact info we will get
3: our butts out of here All right. Well, in that case, if you've heard something today, like maybe you know the real difference between 220 and 110 and just want to school us on it, you know what? Drop us a line at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can even call in and leave a voicemail at 623-242-2450, and we'd love to hear from you. So definitely call in. And you know what? For those of you in the chat room or if you're listening to this now and are like, man, why didn't I know about this? You know what? We'll let you know a little bit ahead of time when we're going to do the next one. Tell your friends, tell your family, make it a big night. We'll make a huge night out of Wood Talk Online Live.
2: Yes, it'll be a big, giant party. All right, well, happy and safe woodworking to everybody, and I wish you all a warm toodaloo. Toodaloo!